Hi, I'm Pastor Guy Burke. We welcome you to this week's worship with First Baptist Church Indianola. We also invite you to find out more about us at our website, www.fbcindianola.com. And don't forget to like us on social media. Join us now as we study deep truths from God's holy word. this morning to take your copy of God's Word and turn to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to look at verses 13 uh, through 16 together this morning uh, as we consider worship's answer. I want to thank everyone for tuning in our live stream and uh, being with us through that medium this morning. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16. You know, here at First Baptist Church in Indianola, We exist to cultivate authentic followers of Christ. And last week we discussed how integral prayer is in the life of an authentic disciple. And we learned that simple prayer simply works. And so this week we're going to narrow the focus on worship's role in our Christian journey. And how worship plays a part in our Christian journey every day. And how gathering as the people of God in worship means coming together to profess with one voice and with one heart the object of our worship, and that object is Jesus himself. And we're going to journey in this passage this morning to a unique place, a place in the ancient day, a place known as Caesarea Philippi. And in this environment, we're going to see that false worship was taking place. So so the setting where this passage is, is, is in a place where false worship is happening, and where Jesus gives a key question regarding worship for his disciples. And what we're going to see is is that their identification of him as the son of the living God, it directs us to consider that same question that he asked all these years later. And so this leads us to our big idea for today. And so if you don't hear me say anything else, you hear me say this today. Our big idea for this morning, who we say Jesus is says who we worship. Who we say Jesus is says who we worship. So let's consider this from the scene in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. And this is what's recorded. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Verse 14. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. When we look at this passage in in, in Matthew's gospel, I want to share with you three elements of it. And the first one is the setting of worship. The setting of worship. I've alluded to it just a little bit about how this setting is, is maybe different than we originally realized if we just kind of scan over this passage. Recently, I've been using uh, daily devotions with my kids on the version app. And so they've befriended me on the version app, and we communicate. It's good that your kids want to be your friend, right? And so they've befriended me on the app, and so we're going through these daily devotions. And the first one we did was entitled Lessons from the Land. And so each day it had a video 
that they would watch. And it was a biblical archaeologist going through a certain part of the Holy Land and had a devotional with it. And then we would chat about it afterwards. And so one of those videos was at Caesarea Philippi. And so it had the video and it showed this really rocky terrain. And today it's just like this big cave. It's this rocky terrain, this, this really, you know, this, it's almost like a cliff as you look up at it. But in that is this huge cave. And the archaeologist says that in their dig and in their find, they, they've noted all these different artifacts of this temple that used to be at that address. And so where Jesus brings his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, there is this temple to a false god. And there's still ruins of it today. And this temple, they believe, is, was four to five stories high. And it was a temple to the false god whose name was Pan. And so what would happen is, is that in that day, Pan was known as an agricultural god. So people from all over would come to this four to five story huge temple and they would get offer these sacrifices to this God of agriculture. Why? Because they wanted the God of agriculture to bless them so that they might have a bountiful harvest, right? So think about it like this. Here in the Mississippi Delta, harvest, uh, harvest is, is coming up, right? So just think of if on the... On the outskirts of town here in Indianola, if there was a, a four-story building and everybody went out there and made some kind of sacrifice, some kind of offering at that place so that a harvest would be bountiful. And so this is the setting. Jesus has his disciples in this setting where a false god is being worshipped. It's where he asks a general question. It's where we begin in this passage with a general question. A general question with a specific component. And so he asks a general question. He says, who do people say that I am? Right? That's where he begins. Who do people? Who, look around. As you, as you follow me and as you've interacted with other people, look around. Who, who, who do people say that I am? And he begins with this general question of who he is for his disciples. Now, now remember, they've been walking and journeying with him for a good time now. They, they've been listening to his teaching. They've been seeing some of his miracles. They've been up close, like VIP, front row, to what Jesus has been, been doing, right? And so the general question is, is who? So really he's asking for the popular opinion, right? What's the, what's the popular opinion? You know, we love popularity, don't we? we? We love keeping up with who's popular and maybe even who's not so popular. I mean, think about it. We, we love these, these music type shows, right? American Idol and The Voice. We love that. You know, it's funny how we say, don't judge me, but we love these shows that judge everybody, right? We like tuning in. I can't DVR it, baby. Here we go. Even for you YouTube generation out there, YouTube on the Brooklyn and Bailey channel, Brooklyn is doing 10 dates in 10 days and wanting everyone to vote on the YouTube channel on who's the best date was, right? So across generational lines, for years and decades and millennia, popularity has been a big deal. 
And the popular idea about who Jesus was was that he's like John the Baptist. He's like Elijah. Maybe Jeremiah. So what's the popular vote for Jesus? The popular vote is that he's just another prophet. Sound familiar? Many people today would just simply say that Jesus was this really great teacher or Jesus was a prophet when he lived. So the popular vote, if you will, the popular opinion is that, is that Jesus is like one of these others, one of these other prophets. But Jesus, in his general question, he knows something very specifically. Look at your text, and he refers to himself in a specific way. How does he refer to himself? It's son of man. Son of man. And why does Jesus do that? Stay with me. Out of all the titles Jesus could have used of himself, the title he uses most is son of man. Now why is that so important? It's a general question, but it was, has a very specific component, son of man. It goes all the way back to Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. You see, the prophet Daniel, if we had time this morning, we could go back into the Old Testament. And the prophet Daniel, in chapter 7, verse 13, has this vision. And this vision of heaven where he sees one like the Son of Man. So side note, all the prophets point to Jesus. And Jesus, even in his question, is showing his messianic role. That he is the anointed one. That he understands who he is and what his identity is. It's the son of man. And it's a messianic. It means that he is proclaiming himself as the Messiah by using that title. So when you read the gospel, you read the gospel of Matthew and you see Jesus refer to himself as the son of man. Recognize and remember that's not just some weird way of saying who he is. No, it's a very purposeful way, very specific way to show that he is the Messiah, the anointed one of Israel that came to save. And so in this setting of worship, in this setting of, this, of where a false god is being worshipped, Jesus the Messiah contrasts that with his question. And he begins with that general question. He begins with that general question of who do they say that I am? So in this pagan setting, Jesus is setting the table for the truth of who he is. And we see that within our culture today. Just like Caesarea Philippi, we see that in our culture today, there is question of who Jesus is. Or there's a popular opinion of who Jesus is. You see, in, in Caesarea Philippi, there were all kinds of objects of worship. Just like today, you can direct your worship to most anything and everything. And if there is an object of worship that sits on the throne of your heart that's not Jesus, then, then there are some steps that need to be taken. There, there, are some, there are some steps that need to be taken within our spiritual journey to make sure that Jesus sits on the throne of our heart. The true object, object of worship is to be Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one. It reminds me of Professor Dr. Jim Shaddix at New Orleans Seminary, he would, he would say this from time to time. He would say, the gospel demands a verdict. 
And that's what we see happening here with his disciples. But it's also a verdict for us today. Because of the truth of the question, the truth of this question makes it still relevant for us today. And so in this setting, in this setting, he is asking his disciples to render a verdict. In this setting, it leads to a personal question. So we go from the setting where a general question is given, now we go to that personal question, that personal question that we all have to ask. You know, asking questions is very important, isn't it? Asking questions can, can, be, can, can make lots of changes and in innovations that keep things going in the right direction. Think about business or the marketplace for a second. Those that are asking questions that are leading to innovations, those are the companies, the stores, and so forth that are going to last and make it through. Maybe you heard that Steinmark is closing. All of its stores have been announced. The CEO has announced that all of its stores are closing. A, a, a store that started in the Mississippi Delta, right? But all 200 plus of their stores are closing. Think about Blockbuster. Did you know that Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix? Think that guy's kicking himself today? <laughs> but they weren't asking the right questions. They weren't asking the right questions to lead to innovation, to make the right steps and the adjustments they needed to make. But Jesus always asked the right question. And it's a question that confronts you and I very personally. Because we move from that general question of, what does everybody else say that I am? And he gets up real close and personally says, but you. But you. So how does this apply to us? Jesus isn't interested in what my mama said about who he was, right? Jesus isn't interested in what grandpa said he was before grandpa went home to glory. No, Jesus still gets personal face to face, and he says, but you, who do you say that I am? Because remember, who we say Jesus is shows and says who our object of worship is. Who we say Jesus is says who our object of worship is. And so here in, in these verses, we see that he's, he said, hey, the popular opinion is Elijah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist. But Jesus needed more from his disciples. And here's a key application. I, I want you to hear me say this. Popular opinion never integrates with authentic discipleship. I want to say that one more. Popular opinion never integrates with genuine, authentic discipleship. Because guess what? If you follow Jesus, don't expect to win a popularity contest, right? If, if you say, I'm going to be an authentic follower of Christ and I'm going to be a part of his church, don't expect to win any popularity contests. There's a cost of authentic, genuine discipleship. And popular opinion never integrates with authentic, genuine discipleship. You see, in, in this setting, as Jesus is asking these questions, Pan was popular. But Jesus is divine. Pan was popular. Hey, let's take our sacrifice to this God so that we can have 
a great harvest. The pan is long gone. The structure has been torn down. But guess what still is moving on? The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And so he gets real personal. He says, but you, who do you say that I am? And that truth of that question makes it so relevant for us today. Because just as he got specific with his disciples It's recorded in God's holy word, and it gets specific with us. Who do you say that I am? Because who we say Jesus is says who we worship. Jesus' specific question, it leads to his identification in this passage. So we've seen a setting of worship. We've seen a question of worship. And now we see the identification of worship. You know, identification is a very important element in our lives. Oftentimes we think of driver's license, social security cards, things of that nature. But it goes internal as well. Not only is it outwardly, it's internally as well. Me and Lindsay were watching this movie on Netflix the other day. And the little girl didn't know who her mom was. She, her dad was taking care of her. It was a single dad taking care of a little girl. And she didn't know who her mom was. And so she wanted to hear the story of, of who her mom was because she wanted to know, right? Maybe you've seen... St- movies or read stories like that where someone wants to know that there's this deep desire in our life we want to know where we're from and we want to we want to understand that we're known by somebody right we, we want to know where we're from we want to know where we come from we want to we want to have that locked down but we also want to be known by others so Jesus is asking the disciples if they know Jesus' question moves us to true identification of who we worship. This step is why this question is so relevant today. Jesus is not concerned with the popular vote. He's concerned with your vote. He wasn't concerned with the popular vote. He was concerned with the vote of the disciples, the ones that were walking with him, the ones that had journeyed with him, the ones that had left everything to follow him. And this question is still relevant because he wants to know what you're, he's not worried about the popular vote. It's an election year, but Jesus isn't worried about the popular vote. He's worried about your vote on who you say that he is. And Peter answers for the group. What we need to know about this is that Peter, Peter is going to bring this full revelation of who Jesus is. Peter's not just simply speaking for himself, okay? We need to understand that in this context, And throughout Matthew's gospel, Peter is kind of the lead singer of the band, if you will. He kind of speaks for the group. And so he's the one that gives the answer. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter steps up and he says, the son of the living God. The son of the living God. And in that moment, in that setting of false worship, true worship invades it. In that setting of a false God, the true God is present. So that should be an encouragement to you. That in whatever your setting is, whatever your circumstances is, whatever that setting is, the true God is present. He is a living God. He is alive and he is reigning. And you turn to him and he begins to move and he begins to work. But it was because they identified who he was. They identified their object of worship. Scholar Leon Morris says this about 
Peter. He says, Peter's words bring out the essential being of our Lord in the most comprehensive expression in the Gospels. The most comprehensive expression in the Gospels, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And he hasn't changed. And his question is still the same. Who do you say that I am? Because who we say Jesus is says who we worship. And when we answer that question faithfully like Peter did, we know who we belong to. And we recognize that we're known by the God of the universe. You see, our deep desire of wanting to know where we're from and have this identity and wanting to be known by someone else in a loving relationship, they are ultimately completely, perfectly fulfilled in knowing Jesus. Because who we say we worship says the importance of who Jesus is. It's kind of like getting rain. Weren't y'all glad we got some rain Friday? This is how I know I'm getting older. I say things like, boy, we sure could use some rain around here. I was on a video call with Dan and Jack, and I had to run out because my umbrella was about to go into the bayou. I had to go catch it. But thankfully, we got that rain because that kind of rain makes a difference, right? Like we can go out and we can have our flower pots, and we've got these miniature azaleas that bloom during this time of year. And I can take the water hose, and I can go over there, and I can count for 30 seconds. And then I can go to the next one, count for 30 seconds. Then I can go to the next one, and then Bess comes up, and she's moving it for me. You know, so I'm like, yeah, you're going to take over before you know it, little girl, all right? So, so we're moving around. You can take that water hose, and you can water your flowers, and they're going to stay alive, and it's going to be okay. But when they get that rain, what happens? Your lawn and your flowers, it's like, boom, it's greener. Boom, they're standing extra tall, right? And when we come into that relationship with Jesus to worship him alone, and he sits on the throne of our heart, it is like rain for our dry and weary soul. Because who we say Jesus is says who we worship. And that's what the disciples did. Authentic discipleship is not about a popular opinion. It is about a permanent sacrifice. To trust the Lord Jesus, to follow him and identify him as the one that sits on the throne of our heart. And that's what I want for you today, friend. Those listening in our live stream, that's what I want for you today. I want you to turn to the one that can bring freshness to your dry soul who can make you new, who can save you from your sin, who can set you on a path in life that makes the difference for all of eternity. Because who we say Jesus is says who we worship. I want you to worship him. I want you to think about that question. Who do you say that I am? And I want you to answer the son of the living God who died in my place, who forgives me of my sins, who has brought about the the hope of eternal life. I want you to turn from him. Maybe today, maybe today that's your first step to him. You've never made that decision in a real authentic way. You've, you've always had an answer about who Jesus was, but when it comes to personal, you, you can't say what mama said or what granddaddy said or what whoever said. No. What do you say? Maybe today that step is a, makes today the salvation, the day of salvation for you that you want to follow him with all of your life, to be forgiven, for, to confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord 
that he is the son of the living God. Because who we say Jesus is says who we worship. Or maybe you've, you've known Jesus and you're, and you're a follower of Jesus, but maybe you've gotten off the track. Maybe there's been some missteps and some mishaps. And it's time for the grace of God to invade your life, to bring you back, to steer you back so that he's sitting on the throne of your heart. Because who we say Jesus is says who we worship. That's what I want for you today. To answer that question that was relevant then and still relevant now. To answer that question in a setting that is uncertain, just like in that setting it was uncertain with people worshiping a false god. Value true worship as you follow Jesus. And it will make a difference in your life and in the life of others. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for everyone here and everyone watching and listening today. Lord, if there's one that's never taken that, that step to you as Savior, they've been worshiping everything. They've been wanting to be popular. They've been wanting to find that relationship that fulfills them. They've been wanting to get that next promotion.